Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss. And today on the show, we've got Matt Caruana from mattcaruana.com. Now, over the last few years, I've done a lot of interviews and I've spoken to all sorts of people from all walks of life. And today's story is one about redemption, survival, and doing whatever it takes to take back control of your life and to go all in. You're going to leave today's show feeling uplifted, inspired, and excited about life, but you're not going to get there before we go all the way down the rabbit hole. Let's get started. G'day, Matt. Welcome to the Go All In podcast. So good to be here. So good to be here. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank, thank you for you the Rob. invitation to come to your home. I've taken the show on the road, which is a little bit of fun, <laughs> which I like to do. I love, uh, I love the, the roadcaster and the road equipment that I use. Just put it in a bag, pull it out, plug it in, turn it on, and it just works like a charm every single time. You're on tour. I'm, I'm on tour, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm on tour. What's new in your world? What's new? Oh, man. <laughs> lots? Oh, I, I, I never know how to answer that question, honestly. It, it, feels like, it feels like lots. It feels like lots is happening. Things are coming up. But what's actually new? What's present? Man, it's like, how the fuck do I answer that? <laughs> is business coming back to life with this COVID, all this COVID stuff coming to an end? That's definitely, like, on the way up. It was... I remember last year in three days, all my conferences, schools, flights, I even had prison talks booked. Gosh. All cancelled. How many were cancelled? How many were cancelled? Can, can you remember? Oh, not the top of my head. No. Nah. It, it was coming around about 10. Yeah. 10 gigs. Huh? Which, but they were all coming up in the next like a couple months. Because mm. I was popping the phones at the time and yeah, it just came to that. I was really excited at the start of COVID last year before it happened because I had like six speaking events booked in. And I thought to myself, well, 2020 is going to be a little bit different to what I've been doing. And people have been booking me to go and speak and they were paying me. And I thought, I, ne I never really wanted to do anything like that. But when somebody asks and they're going to pay you four or $5,000 to come and speak for a couple of hours, why not? It sounds like, of course, sounds yeah. like really fun, right? I if really, you value to people, why not? And, and so I was lucky enough to do two of them before March in 2020. And I was all excited about it. And I thought, well, maybe you know, I could do some more with this. This could go somewhere a little bit different. And it's another kind of string to my bow. And it's another thing in my business, another version of cash flow. And then COVID happened and the lockdowns happened. I nearly got trapped in Victoria. And Ooh. yeah, so I kind of got out with one day to spare. And I was out of there and I thought, oh, well, I guess all the speaking engagements are all over. And I really had to pivot and to shift what I was planning on doing in, in the subsequent maybe two or three months. And for a while there, I was a bit polarized, man. You know, I don't, that doesn't right. really happen to me in business. I was pretty worried about what was going to happen and where it was going to go because I just so much uncertainty and in my business and in my life, I'd been used to having so much certainty about clients and customers and business and all of those sorts of things. And then it just kind of went poof and disappeared. And the other business that we have, my partner and I have got a photography business and predominantly wedding photography. And I don't know, man, maybe the 20 weddings that we had booked, gone. Wow. Gone. And wow. what about you, man? Did you, what did you do? Did you just kind of take it on the chin or did you pivot and shift? Did you do something different? What did you do when that all happened? So when it happened initially, like I was scared. I was like, and especially if you, if you knew my backstory, which I know you do being about suicide. Oh, we're going to share that shortly. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> Shouldn't have said. So. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, and so 
with my story, right, and with what um, COVID did, it brought back feelings of being worthless because I know how no longer had the platform for me to go and fulfill my mission. At least I thought it. At least I thought it. I didn't. Well, if it's any consolation, I felt like a, a right dick as well because I was left like standing there going, "What now?" Yeah, exactly right. What now? What now? And where to from here? Yeah. Where to from here? So I started coaching people one on one as a way to still fulfill my mission, mm. just to inform, inspire, and influence people's mindsets for them to improve their life. Nice. That's my. That's, that's what fulfills me and what I do each and every day. At least work towards that. Yeah. Yeah, nice one. I, I actually sat down and I thought to myself, well, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, here's your chance to write that damn book you've been trying to write. And I started and I was probably 100 pages in and I thought, really? I don't want to write a book, man. This is not <laughs> what I want to do because my opinions about things change on a day-to-day basis, maybe yeah. on a moment-to-moment basis. And I felt like as I was writing the book, I was writing down my thoughts and feelings at the time I was having those thoughts and feelings, but I wasn't sure how relevant that was going to be in six months time or six weeks time or even six days time. So what I did instead was I thought, okay, maybe I can take the same concept and slice that up into a masterclass. So I created my masterclass for that. Um, and since I've sold like hundreds of them, actually, it's doing really well. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So it, it got split up into, I think it's about 20 different videos. So I remember I bought a green screen and I learned how to green screen and I set everything up and I found this really fantastic video editor to help me put the thing together. And it was a really uh, fun project to work on. It took six weeks full time to actually put together. And I thought to myself, there's no way I could have written a book in six weeks full time like that. I might have been able to, but I don't have the writing ability or the language ability or the actual skill. Like writing is a real skill to be able to do that. But it was pretty easy for me to write scripts and to put together a course and to put the layout of the course, but end to end from start to finish, it was six weeks. And I'm really proud of that. And people buy that thing every other day sort of thing. I see some sales come through and I'm like, oh wow, that's- That's incredible, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So you should be proud of it, of course. It's way more profitable than a book as well. Oh God, God, yeah. (laughs) It's way more profitable. So tell me, what does 2021 look like? Now we've gone through the craziest year that we've all experienced from a business perspective. What's the outlook for you? Are are things turning around? Does it look really positive? Things are definitely looking on the turn up. So I'm an ambassador for a company called The Butterfly Effect. And so with that, we are working with some high profile people. We're also looking to bring out some programs and that they've got a book out that um, I'm that we're that I'm working with, mm-hmm. not working on because they've written. It's already written. Exactly right. And with that also, PR sponsorships, I believe, is going to be a, a big part of, yep. of 2021 for me. Speaking gigs, I, I, I'm getting there. Like once I get in there, they've been the easiest to close. Coming back to life. It yeah. is, it yeah. is. And schools are more on board than ever. Yeah. Because they're recognizing their students and their mental health is quite low at the time. Yeah. And so they want to bring me bring me in and yeah, run workshops. Yeah, they see the cool. value in someone with real experience. So are you are you left feeling excited about it? You're not feeling worthless, like what the hell, what now? You're like, oh my god, there's too much. <laughs> Things definitely shifted. Yeah, that's good yeah. stuff, man. That's good. All right, let's take a little break. Matt, people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. And you've got a hell of a story, mate. So 
If you could, could you please share with us your biggest go-all-in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? My biggest go-all-in story. Now, that's a very, very good question. And I love I love the love what that really means. So for me, I used to be on a disability pension. Used to be. Now, this was a week before I went on a meditation retreat in the Sunshine Coast. This is an experience that honestly changed my life. A week before the retreat, I had to lodge to Centrelink how much money I've been earning. They want to know like how many how much you've been earning from, from your school gigs and all that stuff. So I reported it. I was in the gym though, and the it didn't it just didn't submit. I don't know why. Maybe it was the internet connection in the gym or whatever. It's oh, like, you were filling in the form, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And I hit submit. Said, "Can you please call us to sort this issue out?" I want to call Stanley. Are you serious? <laughs> that's, that's at least an hour on hold. And <laughs> so after um, after the retreat went by and all that stuff, I didn't have much money left in my account. I mean, double digits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no word of a lie. I spent a lot of money on this. And then a week after the retreat, it, it all it was the timing couldn't have been more perfect. A week after, I get a message from Stanley on my inbox saying your payments have now been cancelled. Oh. Right. So, and straight away, my ego, definitely, yeah. My ego reacted and said, what are you talking about? This is my payments. I and I, That's my money taken away. No, no, yeah. no, no. It's me. And that's so, because you hadn't filled in the form and submitted it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that was your fault. Well, I suppose. Well, they asked me to call them. I didn't want to, but I got, best believe I got, I got on that phone. I got on the phone. And after about 15 minutes of being on hold, I had this strong feeling in my heart and this thought that said, Matt, what are you doing? Have a look at yourself right now. Just like, what if you were to look at yourself right now? You're on the phone to Centrelink. Why? Because you're asking back for your disability pension. Okay, Matt. Now, if you truthfully want to inspire other people, why would you go back on that? Why would you still be on the phone? If your next best self if your best self is a speaker, why would you take the unnecessary step of having a safety net to fall back onto? No, get off the phone. I hung up. And in that, uh, around that time, I grabbed my disability parking permit. You tore it up as well. Snapped that thing. Really? Threw it out. And also snapped my pensioner Opal card. Really? Uh, yep. Not having it. Not having it. <laughs> well, no was, a lie. And do you that think was, it was was it the meditation retreat that got you there to commit to something like that, or was it just you just kind of reached that point in your life? At this retreat, I had seen a future version of myself in a deep state of meditation, and that really solidified for me. No, I I'm not a victim to circumstance. I'm greater than not only what I think, but everyone else, what everyone else thinks, and I don't. I want to prove to everyone else. I want to prove it to me. Yep. And so I decided, no, I don't want that label on me. It's an empowering thing to take back your empowerment, if that makes sense. I was on a call this morning with a coaching client and she was having a really hard time in her life and she's had so much tragedy. She had this like rat bag husband that used to beat her up. She had uh, a baby who passed away. She had a stillborn baby and all of this like drama. Like I look at my life compared to hers and I'm like, I've got no problems in my life right yeah. now. <laughs> I, I definitely don't have any tragedy like she has. It's quite different, different sort of thing. And every now and then these things come up in her life and she has this idea that 
she goes down into these deep states of depression. And when you think of when you think of your like your mindset and your consciousness, and it goes down, and she feels like I get so depressed and I get so down, and I just hear a language down that I don't know how to dig myself out of this pit that I'm in. But in a couple of weeks before I was talking to her about this stuff, because I wasn't doing life coaching with her or anything like that, I was helping her with a podcast. <clears throat> what I'd found was she was a really powerful woman. She was really smart, she was really kind, she was really caring. And it was like her language was all wrong about what she was talking about. And I felt like it wasn't, she, wasn't like she had these ups and downs. I felt like she was just meandering off the course that she was on. So she was going from point A to point B, that was the course that she was on. And then she took a little detour off to the left and it took her down a path that she shouldn't have been on. So I just gave her a couple of tools to her and I turned her back around and got her back on the path and watched her come back to life. And it was such an empowering thing to see her get that back. And one of the questions that I asked her, and I'll ask you as well, and I'll tell you what her answer was. I said to her, what is it that you believe in? And she said, well, what do you mean in relation to what? And I said, what do you, what do you believe in? And she thought about it for two whole weeks and came back to me this morning. She goes, I figured it out. I know what I believe in. And I said, what's that? And she said, I believe in God, but she's not really religious, right? She's a Buddhist. She's Chinese Buddhist. And, but she's not really religious there. She, and she lives in Malaysia. She goes, I have all these Muslim friends who believe in Allah and, and God and Buddha and all of these different things there. And I said, I could probably sum that up for you because I'm not really a religious person either, but I believe that all is one and one is all. Like that is like you are, the, you are God. God is in everything. You know, you have your consciousness in everything like that. You're part of the whole sort of thing. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I said, that's all good. What else do you believe? And she said, you know what? I, I realized what I believe is I believe in myself. And when I realized I believe in myself, all of these feelings and all of this negativity that I had and have been having just kind of evaporated. And she goes, I can feel it. And she showed me, and I was looking at her on Zoom. She goes, she had both of her hands on her tummy and she goes, I can feel it here and it's kind of rising up and it comes out of my out of my chest and around my face. And I'm like, yeah, that's the energy coming out of those those so-called chakras of your body, right? Coming out like that. And, and you sit in the afterglow of that when you feel those things. So if you feel those things often, when you're feeling a little bit down and a little bit shitty, maybe you should like just remind yourself of the belief you have in yourself. So I'll ask you, Matt, in the spirit of going all in and the go all in story, what do you believe in? I had to believe in myself. Same Otherwise, thing. Uh, it, is, it is that. Otherwise I would have stayed on the phone, right? And- Do they pay you enough money to get by and to live and stuff? So you don't have to have a job? Like Centrelink, yeah. I was, I was living at my parents' place at the time. So I only moved out of my parents' place started last year. And this was, oh, coming up to three years ago where I, I stopped my Centrelink payments. Now keep in mind, I had barely any money mm. left. And I'd recently agreed to a trip in Singapore for three weeks. Oh, you committed there as well. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so best believe coming up, I was on the phones every day and I made a strict schedule. I was going to hammer it out and like I want to book schools and all that stuff. It's funny. After I decided to cut the pension and all that other stuff, what came next was my biggest paying gig. Not just my biggest paying gig, but up until that point, the biggest impact I'd ever had on the school. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I was at Taramara High. I'll never forget this. It was a wellbeing expo day. And I opened the, the expo with my story. And then they went off and they did all this other stuff. It was like 
an expo, right? So you had all these different stands. I was like my own stand, mm. right? And I had countless students lining up to see me. I mm. spoke to 420 students in that hall and th- th- there wasn't enough time to reach everyone. Yeah, and we, that belief that you have in yourself to actually go and do something like that is what got you to that point. And then my belief myself exponentially rose because I had gone all in as a result. I was saying to, to my client earlier that when you're, when you're feeling down and things are moving against you, all you need is a tiny little win, just a, just a little one. And it doesn't have to be financial. It's just something went right in your day. Like you drove to the car park and you got a car park and it was stress-free or somebody didn't cut you off in the traffic. You just had just like a little win because when you notice that little win, it builds incredible momentum. You get, you, that little one turns into another one, to another one, to another one, to another one. And then all of a sudden you're saying, wow, these wins are happening in threes. And they happen in three or four at a time like that. What the hell? And it's just that shift in energy and that shift in your mindset that kind of takes you down a path that you weren't on. Is that what happened to you as well? Absolutely, yeah. And it's like you mentioned these little wins, right? That's a glimpse of hope, mm. right? And when, when things seem so bad, so dark, so like just like going nowhere, like you might, you, know, you might be feeling whatever, thinking whatever, that's a sign that something can happen, that you could do something great. Mm. And yeah. One of the things that I really... Uh, believe in in my heart of hearts is a thing called synchronicity yes and and I, I never really realized the words around it until recently it wasn't that long ago it's less than sort of less than six months ago really and a lot of people talk about the the law of attraction and what you put out is what you get back and I believe that that's a universal rule of the universe as well but I believe more so in synchronicity than I do in the law of attraction. And let me explain that a little bit and tell me what your thoughts are as well, Matt, because it goes to the very heart of going all in and committing to success and committing to making your life better and different as well. I believe that things show up in your life when you need them. Absolutely. But they don't show up in your life when you need them if you're not in sync with yourself. So if you don't have that belief in yourself, if you don't have that uh, conscious thought or that conscious development of yourself and you're not working on yourself and figuring out what it is that you believe and why you're behaving the way that you're behaving then that synchronicity won't happen to you because life will be really hard money will be hard relationships will be hard just getting from point a to b will be really really hard and that's because you're not in sync with yourself it's not that you're not attracting things to yourself and it's not that you don't want things in your life because i can have the, I can use the so-called law of attraction to send my vibrations out to the universe to bring these things back to me, but I really don't think that that's how it works so much. You don't, you don't attract things to you. You're not magnetic. What you do is you put out a vibration in your thought, in your speech, and in your body and your energy that goes out, and what you're doing is you're aligning with the things that are of the same vibration. Exactly. Because you can't experience something that you're not the same vibration of doesn't make any sense and it doesn't work and we've all experienced the things that we're not the vibration of and it feels really like off-putting sometimes you come across a person who's really negative or is really not nice who's somebody who you would not normally be in your ecosystem or in your world and you're like man that 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 woman or that man is just like awful what is that and it feels so out of sync to you to what you're doing so i love the idea of synchronicity and it sounds to me like you made a decision to go all in you made a choice that you were 
I'm not doing this disability pension thing anymore. I'm going to go and do these things. And then all of a sudden you shifted your energy and then everything else just fell into line behind it. Absolutely. And that's why I said like my next gig was like my biggest paying gig, the most impact that I'd ever had. That's because I was in alignment with that now. I now chosen to take a step towards my best self, a step towards impacting more people because I now have another level of growth and development because of that choice. Yeah. Because of that choice. And there's this, like, you hear this analogy everywhere, the whole radio frequency, right? Like, for example, you can't tune in to a, like a live 90.5 if you tuned into 86.3. Won't work. It won't work. Exactly right. So you have to be in resonance to attract. Yep. Right? 100%. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and, and so I'm, I'm fully aligned with synchronicity. And I've experienced many, many, many moments of my life that bring about and prove that to, my, to me. I couldn't not believe it. One of the things I like about synchronicity more than the so-called law of attraction is that stuff turns up at it the exact time when you need it. It's like, it's like you're not allowed to experience anything that you don't need to experience. So everything that you need turns up at the time, at the exact time that you need it. And sometimes things in my life just pop in and I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I needed. Oh. And I'm not really <laughs> surprised by it anymore. And sometimes it's got to do with not like a physical thing, but knowledge, actually. Like I do so many of these podcasts and I have so many different conversations and sometimes somebody will ask me a question and I'll just give them the answer. And what I learned to do in podcasting is say the first thing that comes to my mind because what that does is it eliminates all the ums and ahs and the filler content and me trying to come up with a clever answer or something like that. So somebody will ask me a question and I'll just give them the natural response, the instinctive response that I have. And people are often, wow, that's a really deep and thought out and meaningful response. And I would be thinking, where did that come from? Yeah. Where, how, did, how did I do that? And that's because I'm in sync with myself and I'm in sync with the thousands of other things that are around me that are actually impacting on my life. And I'm able then to deliver when I need to deliver at the time I need to deliver because it doesn't matter how much training you do for something. What matters most is being able to perform at your best when it matters the most. Of course. But you can't train for something like this. You can't train for a podcast. You can't train for questions. So I don't know what someone's going to ask, ask me on a podcast. I don't know how to train for any of that. But what I do know is that if, if I'm in sync with myself and I'm in sync with my environment, then the synchronicity delivers to me exactly what I need at the moment that I need it because I'm not supposed to experience anything else. That's the only thing that I need. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that you brought up being in sync with yourself. Well, can't you, you have to start there. Well, you yes. You can't be anywhere else. Well, that's where the meditation came in for you, right? You went, tell us about that retreat. What happened? That was a week's retreat on the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Joe Dispenza, it was, okay. it was his retreat. Nice. I'm, I'm a very big fan of him. Yep. And that retreat, it brought up a lot for me. It brought up a lot for me when we're in these deep states of meditation, stuff like self-love, stuff like, I mean, even getting like a little bit of function back in my, in my lower body, believe it or not. Crazy. <laughs> it was like little things like that. It was just... Yeah, happening over and over and over. I watched a, a video with him, what's today, Monday? Oh, that was on Thursday. I watched a video. He's talking about the different states of meditation where you go through the different alpha brain waves. So the beta, alpha, bravo, alpha, theta, theta, delta. And then to the delta. And when you get to the delta, you no longer feel your body. That's where your level of consciousness is. And I've been doing a lot of meditation recently, and I'm saying this publicly maybe for the first time because it's not something that I ever really believed in because I could never quiet my mind or calm my mind but something happened to me maybe six weeks ago where I realized what I was doing wrong and it was 
every single morning I'd go out for this walk, which would be probably 12 kilometer round trip. And at the very end of it, there's this like platform, this like picnic seat. And it's on top of this hill and it's a beautiful view of uh, Green Hills Beach and Cronulla and, and whatnot. And I would sit there in the morning, oh, all right, let's give this bloody meditation thing a go. And then I discovered the Dr. Joe stuff as well and the different levels of it. And I just couldn't get there. But one morning something happened, man, the penny just dropped for me. And since doing that, I, I'm able to get myself to that delta level. I don't know if it's quick or not. I, I don't know if I could just get myself through that, through the A, the B and the theta and into the delta, but I can get to a point where I can just uh, feel that consciousness in a different way that I've ever felt before in my life. And I think that's the kind of genesis of understanding synchronicity in the way that it's actually happening to me because I'm able to understand from myself, from my deeply intimate level with myself, then I can recognize what's happening around me. And those two things coming together have been life-changing for me in the last couple of months. It's been great. It's funny you mentioned that because I had a similar experience with meditation myself. Ah, this bloody meditation. They're talking about this shit again, really? (laughs) (laughs) And these women in my life always say, you should do this, you should do this. And I'm like, sounds awesome. It really does. I genuinely believe that. But it's just not for me. I just couldn't get there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought the same thing. The first two times I meditated, straight into deep sleep, straight into a deep sleep. And I woke up feeling, oh, you know, I had a good nap. <laughs> 40 yep. minutes. I'll, I'll do that again. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but the third time I did it, I had a deep realization about myself. And that's when it clicked. There's more to this. And there's more about me that I need to learn about that's within me that I'm not aware of currently. If you think that you end at the boundary of your skin, you're so wrong. Oh, you are so wrong. You're so unbelievably <laughs> wrong. <laughs> But taking, you know, that's almost like the polar opposite of what the idea of that meditation is, right? Is you get all the way to that delta and I no longer feel my body. And often I can sit there and just feel like, am I, what am I sitting on? Where's my ass on? And, you know, there's been a couple of times in the last, it's been cold as winter comes on where I've sat on that same seat in that same exact same position day after day after day trying to get this thing to work for myself and it's freezing and maybe you know maybe like two degrees in the morning and i'm just wearing a pair of shorts and like a a hoodie because i've been walking for six k's and i'm actually a bit hot right i'm a little bit sweaty and i sit down but as soon as i sit down it feels cold but no joke a minute into it i can't even feel the cold and it's sort of like is that a wim hof thing going on there am i just conditioned to it maybe a little bit of conditioning but i think it's more the consciousness and my consciousness is focused inwards instead of what's happening outwards to the cold air against my skin. You know, I'm wearing, like I said, I'm wearing a pair of shorts and it's one or two degrees. You've, um, in that moment, you've detached from your physical body, right? You now become the awareness. But I'm, but I'm also like still innately aware that it's cold. Oh yes, as well. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. It's just in that in that in that moment in that state, you have you you're basically seeing yourself from like a bird's eye view. That, no, I don't. I don't. No, I'm not you quite there like yet. That? I'm not quite there yet. Oh, okay, okay. I, I've read a lot about that. I watched a lot of videos about that, but I almost don't kind of need to need that. What I can feel is, I feel like it's a it's a, just an inner thing, and I can feel my consciousness there. And I you can use it for healing. Have you tried that with healing? Is that where you made some progress for yourself? I have. I have, and it's. It's, it has done, it's, it has worked its benefits and it has um, progressed things for me. I, I, I don't spend a lot of time in that, that state. healing state, healing space sort of thing. 
And with, with healing stuff, I know you incorporate other people as well. Mm. That's something that, I, I, again, I've sort of like drifted from in a way. I, I see the benefit in it. Don't get me wrong. I just hasn't been my focus. Because mm, I, I gave myself suggestions like not to feel a dodgy knee, dodgy paratrooper knees, you know, and I think not so much from um, jumping out of planes, but jumping off the back of trucks, you know, with heavy packs and holding stuff as you jump off the back of the truck. Oh, when I was course. in the army, just for years of doing that, you know, and um, you think they're paratrooping injuries, but they're not, they're trucking injuries. <laughs> just <laughs> jumping from something as high as this table, you know, like less than a meter and just kind of stepping down with 20 kilos of something in either side of my um, body, both hands sort of thing. And yeah, when I've given myself those suggestions that I want those things to be healed and to feel better and not to suffer from that anymore, suddenly I'm feeling better and I'm not really suffering the way that I was. But then I think, well, I'm training my legs a little bit more at the gym. I'm doing different activities. I'm walking a heap more. And you can kind of rationalize it all. But I think all of it comes together to actually deliver the result that you're looking for. It's about your, your body your mind and your spirit all being aligned. All together, all, That's all of those things together. Exactly right. And in that moment, by putting out the intention of healing your needs, you are directing your spirit towards it by having your mindset saying that oh, I've got to work towards it. And by physically doing the rehab, everything's in line. And then you say to yourself, ah, oh, can't be that. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that meditation rubbish. What are you talking about, mate? No, it's a funny thing, isn't it? But hey, it's you know it's working for me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing it, Matt. I want to go a little bit further down the rabbit hole, if I might, with you, because you've got a hell of a story. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you haven't if you didn't read the introduction to uh, today's show, you probably don't know what Matt does for a living. So he's a speaker and he goes and talks to kids in schools, predominantly, you do other things as well, but he talks to them about suicide prevention. And I just, if you could, mate, could you give us the background of how you got into such a, a dark topic, man? Because when I first met you, I was like, oh my God, how do you go and do that all day long? But you've had a personal experience with it. So can you share that story with us? Because it's a hell of a go-all-in story as well. Well, that, well, that's the thing. It comes from experience, not from a degree or anything like that. It started when I was 12, asking myself questions and becoming, well, feeling like I was worthless, becoming depressed, anxious, suicidal, not, not wanting to be here anymore and actually considering suicide at 12 years old. That would then lead to me falling to drugs quite heavily and ultimately when I was 16, decided, you know, <laughs> I felt worthless now for four years. I've been a waste of space for this long, 16 years of my life, what am I doing I went and jumped 35 meters high, landed on concrete, and I attained a spinal cord injury and a brain injury. That was my lowest point. I've been blessed though. Things in my life had led to me finding fulfillment. I, I experienced many turning points that eventually would lay out a path to me truly loving life. It was, it was not something that was easy and it was uncomfortable many times it had to be, but it was my biggest blessing. Tempting, I mean, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Mm. If you were to ask me, Rob, would you go back and not do what you've done? I'd tell you no. Right. I'm very blessed That's to be in the to, position that I be, am. To be cool. I would rather be in the position that I am than be walking because I wouldn't be here anymore. I guarantee you that. My mindset was so firm in the belief that I was not only worthless, a waste of space, that everyone else would be better off if I, if I wasn't here. I guarantee you I would have done it some other way, some other way. Do you, do you remember, like, you, you're pretty specific about the dates and the ages and stuff like that. For the people that are listening that have got young kids, like my daughter's 14 years old and 
you know, she's had a really hard time at school and all those sorts of things. And um, do you remember what it was for you that was making you feel that way? It started by me questioning myself. And so what I was really after was connection. Was it internal or external? Well, it was internal. So I, I, one question you'd, or th- the question, thing you'd always hear, everyone has a purpose. Yeah, everything happens for a reason, right? You hear this everywhere. You should meditate. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that to a 12 year old, unfortunately. No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. And so, and I, was, and I also grew up Catholic, right? Like, and I was always taught you'll find your purpose and, and all that through the Bible, through God. I never resonated with that. Cause I didn't resonate with that. I then questioned myself, okay, well, what is the meaning of my life? Like, what's my purpose? What's my reason? And I, I don't know how the hell to answer that. So, and, I, and I've always been a curious person. I ask a lot of questions. It's pretty so, normal for teenagers though. Like I asked my, you know, my son now, he's like nearly 20. And hey, what are you gonna do with your life? I don't know. Like he still doesn't know what, my old man, you know, what are you gonna do with your life when he's like leaving, he left Qantas after, 29 years or something like that right what are you gonna get his redundancy at last you know he's all happy what are you gonna do with your life i don't know come and work for me so it's it's not unusual right it's not unusual for people to feel that and to think that i thought i was the only one because then when i asked myself a second question well if i was dead would anything around here actually be any different i didn't know that's why i was alive how how did you go all the way there like can you remember what made you think that that's like the extreme of things well it if I didn't know what my purpose in life was, if I wasn't here, would anything be different? Right? That's where my mind went. But because I didn't, couldn't have an answer for that, then I asked myself another question. Well, do I actually add any value to society? If purpose is about serving others, how do I actually add value? That's when I had an answer. I was 12. I had no job. Lived at home with my parents. Which meant for me, that was just taking up space. So if I was gone and dead, nothing here would be any different there should be more space for someone else who has more meaning more purpose in their life which then means that my life actually means nothing I came to the conclusion that I was worthless and that's why I became depressed I would dwell on that question those questions for hours man and what about I hated it what about drugs and stuff man did that like amplify those feelings or did did it kind of take away some of that pain for you well I thought it took the pain away and that's why I kept at it it's because it was the vice the escape did you feel better when you take drugs what were you doing what were you taking well, it started off as pop, but I quickly found, I really got into coke. Mm. Started, I mean, and you're feeling better because it's an upper. Exactly right. And yeah. and being 13 years old, how do you fund it? Yeah. You don't have a job, you got to start dealing. Mm. It's it's the only way that's at that age. And, and what God, about your parents, man? Did they know what was going on? They're God, completely oblivious. God. <laughs> <laughs> Teenagers are good at that. <laughs> well, see, like this, right? My family, when someone was upset, They'd keep to themselves, go in the corner. They'd just say, and no one would approach them. They'd be like, oh, look, they're just, just let them be. Well, not well, that. And also, there's, you know, they're working on stuff. Like, give them some space. And no one would open up about it. Not just my family, but also my friends. So, what did I know? You kept it in. You didn't talk about it. God, no. You. <laughs> Oh, you were just kind of following what was the, the norm at that the time. The normal right? in front of you, the behavior in front of you. Well, I have to say that. I wouldn't know, like think, I think think back to my childhood when I was 12 years old, man, I was just like busy chasing around the neighborhood girls or playing cricket with my mates or doing something like that. And I can't think of a time where if I was feeling bad or something, how would my parents react? And that's because that's what you know. That's if my mum or dad were upset or anything like that. I don't even remember my mum and dad arguing or fighting. You know, they wow. were always in a loving relationship. You know, my dad worked hard. My mum looked after me and my brother. 
she eventually went back to work and had a job and I just had a really charmed upbringing with two parents who loved me dearly and looked after me and, and supplied all the things that I wanted. And as I became, when I was 13, I was in year seven because I was a big kid when I was in year seven and, and it wasn't until I was about in year 10 where everybody else caught up. But the, as soon as I got there, they were like, you need to go and play football. And my mum was like, no, I don't want him to play football. And my dad was like, no. And I'm like, well, maybe I should just give it a go. And, I, and so eventually they kind of let me do it. And my old man was my biggest fan. And he used to take us to the games. He'd take us to training. Football was kind of like a centerpiece of my life. But then also swimming was a centerpiece of my life with my dad because he's always out. Then I was at the beach with my mates surfing and doing all these sorts of things. So it was really a, a pretty typical Australian upbringing and I wasn't really exposed to drugs wasn't really exposed to anything bad like that although you know you'd go and nick one of the one of your dad's mate one of your mate's dad's beers every now and then or steal something like that just as teenagers do it was never anything like really bad did you realize that that was happening to you at the time it was happening because for me I can remember thinking as a kid that life was just like the best right to me it all made sense as to why I was doing what I was doing why? Because I was feeling this way, yet Coke would be the escape. Now, well, Coke wasn't there for years and years. It was only there for 11 months. But I was so caught up in it that this is the fix. This is the fix. And even when I got off Coke, because of, well, the girlfriend I had at the time, thank God she was in my life, I, I was still smoking pot regularly, like popping pills, caps, all that stuff, you know. And that was the vice. It was the escape. And quickly after, I, I got, fell in love with the gym. It was another escape, right? Because mm. I wanted everything to be external, wanted to prove to everyone that I was someone else, that I was bigger and better than what I actually was inside. Yeah, right. I wasn't trying to prove it to other people, I was trying to prove it to myself. Did, is it because you didn't get validation at home from your mum and dad or the people that cared about you? Or was it just, just wanted validation for yourself? I was a smart kid, right? I, I used to get good grades parents like that like, they love that i did well in sports I, I always got awards and all that stuff i did well and it's because i didn't validate myself that's what it really came down to right and so when ex external validation through my body you know what i got it in year 10 being the biggest kid in my school there's this I, I i even i remember bulking for eight months putting on 30 kilos dropping 20 of that in four months so 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 yeah Put on 30 kilos, eight months, dropped 20 in four months for this one photo. I was topless. I posed in front of the camera. You look like flexing. a bodybuilder as a teenager, man. Yeah, yeah. At, at 16 years old. Yeah. That's what I wanted to show the world. At the very beginning of 2016, I proved to everyone, you know, I'm tough as nails, mm. confident. You can do that. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And a week later, I jump. I try to take my own life. All the likes, comments, friend requests, girls inboxing me, none of that meant shit. Didn't mean anything. No, because deep inside, I felt worthless and I couldn't validate myself. So what would you say to somebody that was listening to this that would be feeling the same way about that self-validation? What would I say to them? Follow your heart. And that's a, it's a simple starting point, but such a broad starting point as well. We have such power within us to tap into. And... We always tend to suppress it. Everyone tends to. Now, there's such... Now, this goes beyond just doing, you know, what you love. That, that, that's like a starting point, following your heart, what you love, mm -hmm. following what you're passionate about, that. But also following, like, 
what you deeply want what do you want in life and what are you actually after take moments to spend with yourself and actually try to understand you then look at your external world how are you filling your space let's start with the people in your life right who are you surrounding yourself with mm. are they reinforcing good habits for you or are they really influencing you for bad i had a drinking problem for years like way too much booze but i didn't have a drinking problem i didn't actually like alcohol that much i had a friend's problem right <laughs> <laughs> so i jettisoned those guys and found some new friends and the drinking went away you're 100 right man it's it's amazing that right and like you hear it everywhere like show me friends i'll show you your future yeah. all that stuff right but you should meditate you should meditate <laughs> <laughs> it's the theme right you pay lip service to all of these things that people say to you all the time but it's the actual core of happiness and it's the core of fulfillment in life and, and as you say validation well if you're hearing this stuff over and over and over again i'm sure there's something to it mm. right and it took me throwing myself off a building ending up in a wheelchair to actually learn some of these lessons and that first lesson actually being open up because deeply what i really wanted to do was talk about how i felt but i couldn't do it Right. I felt like I couldn't. Why? I didn't care about me. I thought I was worthless. So I then believed no one else cared because I was worthless, right? Why would I want to care about someone who's worthless? There's this negative feedback loop that you get stuck in. Exactly and right. And you were completely stuck in it. That's it why you didn't talk to anyone. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. at that point, right? So people must have been surprised when you did that. See, you- like this no one knew how i was thinking or feeling for over a year yeah that's what i mean they must have been like completely like what did he do he did what and the only people and the only people that i told before that year were like my girlfriend i i spoke to a school counselor but i eventually started lying to her um and maybe two mates that was it and then my family wakes up on the morning we were supposed to go on a holiday their son's missing not only is they miss not only are they missing when they called the cops they had already gone on a call not long before by some tradies that were doing work on the area where I jumped and I put the two together to find out their son has gone and tried to end their own life and is in a critical condition and on the way to hospital. Gosh, that must have been the heartless phone call of your parents' life. I, to this day, it chokes me up yeah. and I can't bring myself to really put myself in their shoes. Mm. I, I don't think I can. Yeah, I don't think I could either. Yeah, and, I, and, I don't know what to say. And yeah. it, it, it honestly yeah. scares me, right? And... I, the one thing I, I need to do is go within and actually speak up after my injury I don't like talking beforehand nothing had changed I didn't want to talk I was seeing psychologists twice a day under 24 hour watch it drove me nuts everyone kept asking me <laughs> because they all want to talk to you but you didn't want to talk before that's now, exactly what, right what, why do you think it's going to be any different now <laughs> you think because I've ended up with a spinal injury in hospital and all this shit like things are going to be better mm. do you remember jumping I do where was it around here yeah yeah didn't you go past that place every now and then and see i do i do i, I even have a photo of my instagram five five years after which was the start of the year mm-hmm. and that was that, that was an amazing moment to go up there and what happens when you're at the bottom of it do you look and think man that's high <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um oh <laughs> how did you survive that man how did you how did you jump off a building and survive like did the doctor say well, I, I told you beforehand, I, I, again, no doctor said this. I, actually, my dad told me this. And I thought, you know, he's got some merit. Is I, I was really into the gym, right? I built, I, I mean, I really built myself up. I believe it's the physical body that actually kept me alive. I came out best case scenario. The reason I say that, I've got a spinal injury at my T12 level. It's around my top of my abdomen. Mm-hmm. I had a, a 
spinal damage done at the C1, C2, the very top of my neck. This should have been a quadriplegic, not a paraplegic. Not only that, I'd mm. be on a ventilator 24-7. Can't breathe or anything. Exactly yeah. right. 24-hour watch, rest of your life. Yeah, gosh. So I didn't like talking beforehand. Afterwards, nothing had changed. Everyone kept asking the exact same question. People that were in hospital, people that came to visit me, complete strangers in public. What happened? What happened? Did you hit your head? <laughs> Did you hear your head? No, I, I like, have a head. Yeah, injury? I did. Yeah, I had a brain injury. Yeah, right. Had a, they call it a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Yep. Yeah. So memory and like all that stuff was quite affected, especially at the start. They kept asking what happened. I kept saying the same thing. I had an accident. I mean, if they kept asking, I'd say I had a fall. I just left it at that. Just, just, couldn't, just couldn't be bothered. I couldn't come to terms with the fact that I'd failed. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but then a week before I left hospital was a day that honestly turned my life around. I've been begging my mom for months. I want these piercings on my eyebrow. And she let me get them. <laughs> the one you've got now? That's it. It's still there. It's really? still there. Yeah. <laughs> what did you want a piercing for so bad? I was obsessed with them at the time. Yeah. Even before my injury, I used to, I had tongue piercings, everything. Anyways, we went to Penrith from Rawnall Shore to Penrith. It's a decent train trip. And I got them done. And I was actually happy after I got these piercings done. I'm feeling good. On the train right back to the hospital, I'd never met, like, the car through the trip, this guy I've never met comes on the train. A real bogan sort of guy. Before he even sits down, <laughs> all blase, stumbles on. What did you do to yourself? <laughs> and, uh, I, it's pretty raw for you. <laughs> pretty right, new. Okay. It was blunt, right? Just like, in my face. Mm. But I swear to you how in my face he was and how happy I was in that moment. It just sort of came out. I just said I attempted suicide. What do you say? Oh, well, it's pretty fucking stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I know how to react. And he decides to sit across from me and have a conversation. He wants to learn more. I'm like, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> I never felt more uncomfortable, right? It's like the beginning of everything that happened to you and with you now, isn't it? Like it's kind of turned everything around for you. Like that guy, that conversation there is a bit of a turning point as well. It's a bit of a sliding doors moment, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, then the next morning I woke up with a sense of lightness. Mm. I, 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 knew how, I, I knew what I was feeling because you spoke to a stranger literally yeah. but this is the first time I went and approached my social worker and not waiting for her to have to chase me up and see where I'm at no I went to approach her and I shared with her what had happened that guy on the train all that jazz showed off my piercings you know that of you course feel pretty good about yourself well, right? <laughs> spoke to someone and you got a piercing <laughs> feeling good yeah that's it and she said Matt it's amazing don't you think I'm like what do you mean you opened up for the first time in four months. You've been lying to people, right? You told them the truth. You felt lighter. And then she said this, asked me this question that I'll never forget. What if you were to open up to the people close to you in life? Could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? Mm. I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I didn't like talking, right? I didn't like talking. So I then, I, I sort of brushed it off, but it sat in my head. It really did. And I constantly kept thinking about it, thinking about it the guy on the train all that stuff and it's like wait no she has a good point so Viv my ex I, and I started talking to her and this caught me off guard why because she said Matt I've never felt closer to you I've never loved you more well here when, I you, am. when you opened up to her yeah when I opened up to her but here I am in hospital with all these injuries mm. I'm like constantly judging myself right I'm like why, the, why is she saying this? It's like the opposite of what you thought was going to happen. Literally. Yeah. Literally. I thought no one cared. Yeah. So I started talking to my friends as well. And don't get me wrong, some didn't want to deal with it, but I found out who my true mates were. Mm. And then the two people that were never going to know, at least I thought, my parents. And it's amazing how my relationships just grew so much closer 
as a result, my social worker was right. The one thing I needed to do beforehand, the one thing I refused to do beforehand is another isn't the one thing I am wanting the world to go to. I believe if we listen to our hearts deep down, we do want to talk up and speak up and approach these topics mm. because they're weighing us down. They're burdening us. I've, you know, I've felt that way often in my life about not so much like worthless, like you were talking about like that, but I've, I've often felt the exact same thing as what you said. Like, well, why would anyone want to like hear that? Just don't say anything, man. And often I just... It's not like you want to pick your battles with your missus, but I just couldn't be bothered explaining myself. I couldn't be bothered like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so cranky? What's wrong? And I'm like, no, nothing. I'm not cranky with you. I don't feel bad about you. It's not you, anything like that. But I just actually wouldn't even say that. I'd just sort of be, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But really, I'm not. And really, I've got a lot on my mind and I just couldn't be bothered sharing it because I just don't think that it's actually worth saying but i'm going to take a leaf out of your book and say it now because i think that's a, a good thing because you do feel unburdened when you do share stuff stuff with people that you haven't otherwise shared or that you think is not worth sharing because especially with a woman because a woman will often go mm, yeah mm. they don't interrupt you they just listen right because they're good at that they go men i know I, I have that problem where someone a woman will talk to me and they'll say all those sorts of things and instantly my mind goes to try and solve their problem and help them and to try and fix those yep. things but I've learned over the years just to kind of bite my tongue and not say anything and go, hmm, yeah, that's good. Oh, you're such a good listener, Rob. Yes, that's because I meditate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a little break and we'll bring it right back. there if this is your first time here at the go all in podcast welcome it's great to have you here and if you're back for more welcome back it's great to have you back and as i like to say i love our repeat offenders here on the go all in show so thank you for your loyalty today now if you like what you hear on today's podcast just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on that way you'll always have some motivation and some go all in love right there in your pocket and don't forget if you're loving what our guest has to say today give this podcast a share as well all right Let's get back to the show. Well, Matt, that's a hell of a story. They're two really big go all in stories there. And thank you so much for sharing that and, and for being so open to share uh, such a, I guess, a traumatic event and such a big event in your life. When you look back at it now, does it feel like it happened to somebody else or does it definitely feel like it happened to you because you're in a wheelchair? It, it does feel like someone else. And I say this a lot. This is my second chance at life. And I, I'm, I'm blessed. Not, not, not everyone gets that second chance. But I really feel born again. Yeah. Especially when I have managed to turn things around for myself, transform that mindset of mine. And yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see. I can tell by your energy, man, because we've become friends over the last couple of weeks and it's been really nice, man. And I love chatting with you and i love hanging out with you we had a zoom that went for like three hours or something what the hell yeah we did you just like couldn't get a word in man i thought we got to press the record button and get this on a podcast <laughs> wish we did yeah we should have it was uh pretty interesting and entertaining as well Matt, tell me a little bit about your speaking business and and how you help kids in schools because that's a it's a topic that's 
part of a curriculum. They talk about suicide. They talk about all sorts of things in schools, but it's very confronting. Your story is very confronting. I know the first time I kind of met you and uh, you mentioned it to me, I, I almost didn't know what to say, to be completely honest. It, and that's because I've never known anybody that has jumped off a building and survived, but did it intentionally. Um, so I almost don't know what to say. So tell me about how you help kids and how you overcome that actual confrontation. So this is where my life began to change, right? And it started by just speaking at a hospital program, right? They just asked me just to share my story. And I found there was such a need for it. The teachers were seeing such value in it and the students especially. They'd come up to me afterwards and share, Matt, I'm feeling this. My friends are doing this. I don't know how to support myself or my friends and all this other stuff, even my family members. And I'm like, wow. Are you surprised at that? That must have been... That's not what you're expecting? Well, I view myself as worthless, right? Yeah, that's and what I now, mean. Then now all this is happening to validate it all. That, that's exactly right. Now, w- my adversity is not being used as an inspiration for some other person. That's massive for me. So with that, I then, I was like, there's such a need for this, not just within this hospital program. I'm speaking to 30 kids every two weeks. That's not, that's not, not enough. enough. That's yep. not enough. There's so many other young people out there that I need to reach. So I decided, let's go, let's, let's break into schools. Let's see if I can go into schools myself. That's and a hard gig because there's a lot of people that want to do that. That's exactly. There's a lot of people doing that already. So it, 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 it was tough being, I mean, 18 years old, fresh out of high school myself and wanting to go speak to your students about mental health and suicide. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I, yeah. I was judging myself, right? I'm like, oh, am yeah. I good enough to do this? I'm, I'm going to have the qualifications. No, I had the experience and the wisdom attained from that authentic place. And then... School's great, but then I want to reach parents as well. So where are parents? Well, I can go to the parent information evenings, but I can also go to corporates. Mm. I can go to conferences, people that will then inspire other people. So it's like a compounding effect. Corporates, high schools, conferences, universities, anywhere I can to share my message. That's where I bring it out. And it's not just my story. I do share my story, obviously. (laughs) Then I also go into these workshops that then are there for the attendees whether it be the students the parents whoever so they're able to take away the value and implement the change into their lives so it's more than just a presentation about what happened to you it's actually some practical things there that people can leave with that's exactly right exactly right and whether it be reflections like activities exercises that, that we go into it's there for the experience so they can take, they can walk away taking something that they either learn about themselves, something, something they can apply to themselves, or a newfound res- like a newfound what's, what's the word realization. That's right. the word. Yeah. And do you find that people connect with you like at scale on completion of these things? Do they all add it to their Instagram and their Facebook and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, quite often they'll, they'll follow me. They want to engage. They'll even send me messages afterwards. That's when it's. Uh, that's when it really gets to me like emotionally. I got a message from a school I did last week at Tamara High, I, that school again. And yeah, this one student reached out to me and said, and it's a long message, but to break it down to that last sentence, she said, said, Matt, I walked away happy today and I went home smiling. I haven't done that in a very long time. I just thinking back to that message it really means a lot to me and I really get I mean I'm choking up now and I get emotional thinking about it it makes it worthwhile 
Yeah, it does. Yeah, it makes it worthwhile. You know, I always said that when I started this podcast, my missus said to me, like, what do you want to do that for? You know, and like, well, I've got a message to share. She's like, who's going to listen? And they're all, you know, I'm, I'm mocking her, but she doesn't speak to me like that. But <laughs> but that's what I receive. But I, I mock it. I mock her because it's funny to me because that's kind of what I receive. And I'm like, who cares who listens? If it helps just one person, then it's worth doing it for 500 episodes. And she's like, all right, okay, what can I do to help sort of thing? And that's the experience that you've got there. You know, all the all the speaking that you've done and every now and then you just get one of these messages that inspire, that they've been inspired by you. And it's like, my story is not that exciting what I do here in this podcast, but if you're inspired by me a little bit or by the guests that I have, that's awesome. And if it made your day just a little bit brighter and just a little bit better and you can take what you learnt here from spending some time with us here on a podcast like this, well, that's just awesome and I've done my job you know so it's very satisfying and gratifying to actually get to that point and I'm not getting any money out of this I don't get paid for this you don't get paid for this Mm. we just share our time we share our stories but you know I think that throughout human history before computers existed before we could read and write the way that we did we passed stories on verbally and innate there's something within all of us that remembers that something in our DNA and we love stories and that's why podcasting is so popular because it's typically storytelling and sharing of stories like that as well have there been some moments for you where you've kind of questioned yourself i want to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome yeah because sometimes i get to these interviews and sometimes i go to these places and i think man i am so far out of my depth i just this is for somebody else not for me and then i realize that hang on a minute this is what you've been working towards this is what you've been doing and i just sort of what I try and do is not suppress the feelings but what I try and do is just behave a bit instinctively and I've got enough experience in my life and I reached a point in my life where my instincts are able to support me and I can usually do a good job in that process but very often I still have imposter syndrome about what it is that I'm doing or who I'm talking to or what interview I'm, I'm working on like that did that happen for you at the start when you got up on stage roll yourself out there on your wheelchair and there's like 300 kids looking at you that must have been scary as hell <laughs> well the first time I spoke I didn't really think about it and like you said it's rolling instinctively it's just like you mentioned earlier earlier on about you when you talk you just go with whatever comes through because that's the most authentic thing synchronicity comes, synchronicity exactly <laughs> right <laughs> That was like the first time I spoke. It was only to 30 students. You know, one thing I didn't share is that my second talk was this. So that school that came there was Pitwater House. Pitwater House, the teacher had brought up with my program manager after like the whole thing wrapped up, said, I want Matt there with you next week at our parent-teacher night. Yeah, yeah, I would make it happen. She called me up and I, I, I said, yes, it was an instinctive thing. But then I went there not thinking, shit, I'm in front of parents as well. There was from from 30 kids in a room to now 300 people in a hall. No no word of a lie. And you talk it's about, different energy, man. Different energy in the room. It, it is. Yeah. It's not just students. It's, it's also parents and staff there as well. And on top of that, there are other speakers. The speaker before me had this PowerPoint. She had handouts, these videos, these photos. <laughs> Polished. Just, perfect. Oh, perfection, right? And I'm there thinking to myself, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I went up there and all I had was the mic. <laughs> That's all I had. <laughs> like a stand-up comedian, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was a little bit choppy with my story because it was my second time sharing it. And the students, they resonated so heavily and I had the same result afterwards. They came up to me and they asked all these questions. And then I was only doing that program for a while, right? And then eventually came to schools. I then 
went to Singapore at the start of 2019. That's it, yeah. And I had three opportunities by chance. I get three opportunities to share, write and speak live all to adults. Nice. The, the, the first two were to a small organization and the third one was to a company, an actual like corporate, corporate setting. Gig. Yeah, is that and your first corporate gig? Yes. And I was like overthinking, am I qualified to speak to these people? These, like I want the heads of HR within the company at this event, they they, they, they put it on, that it's on the Chinese New Year weekend as well. Gosh, yeah. And I had a hundred people in that room. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Literally, yeah. apparently two thirds of the room had already just called in like, oh, they're gonna take the day off or whatever. No, that, that, the room was filled. And that was a, just a massive breakthrough for me. Am I qualified to speak to these people? Then there was one last straw, professionals, right? I've got the experience, but I don't have the studies to back it up sort of thing. Then I spoke at the International Mental Health Conference to psychologists and psychologists, people with, peer workers, yeah, counselors, psychiatrists, qualified people, yeah. qualified people, and the exact same effect happened. And you know what? Uh, it just out of it, it just, again out of intuition. It was so instinctive. I was like, I, w- I want to run an activity here <laughs> for the next like few minutes at, at the end of my story. I, I didn't tell anyone or anything like that. I just just rolled with just it. Roll with it. Yeah, and the person I'd picked spent some time with me afterwards, and they opened up to me. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was like, I'm not only influencing young people and adults, but professionals as well. And that was a massive breakthrough for me. Well, you transcend boundaries, genders, religions, races with what's going on. Because I think the human, the human experience is what you're talking about. Well, of, yeah. And you're talking about one element of the human experience and what happened to you as a result of taking that element just too far and what happened on the other side of it. So you're to be commended for that. And what would you say to somebody that was, or what would you say to me? Cause I'm going to be self-indulgent because it's my podcast. So you should. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to me if I suffer from imposter syndrome again? How would you help me out of it? How would help you out of it? Well, a lot of context needs to be there, but I suppose look within and, and really try to see things for what they are. So for, in my circumstance, it was old people older than me that I was, I was questioning whether I was good enough mm. to go but, and speak to them. Okay, well. But I'm, I'm older than you and I want to hear what you've got to say. And that's the thing, <laughs> right? Every, people want to hear what you have to say. I read a, um, a really good book recently by a fellow named Tim Grover. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. so he's- was Kobe's- Yeah, like, Kobe's, Kobe's coach, trainer and Michael yeah, yeah, Jordan's yeah. coach as well. And yeah. his book's called Relentless. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. He's got a new book that came out. I'm gonna, that's the actual next book that I'm about to read. So looking forward to that one as well. So Relentless talks about the different types of personalities that are within basketball teams. And he uses basketball as that, but you can overlay that. And it's a metaphor for life which is really cool. But one of the things that when you watch basketball, and I've never really been a fan, like Michael Jordan, yeah, it's pretty cool. Kobe, yeah, it's pretty cool. But I don't kind of sit there in the middle of the night watching basketball in the United States, you know. I'd go to a game. I like sport. I like all sport. But when you – so I listened to his book a couple of times, twice actually, and then I found the Michael Jordan doco on Netflix. And I watched that as well. And one of the things that he talks about, and we've said it a couple of times in this podcast today, is about instinct and following your instinct. And one of the things that he says is don't think. He says that often. So when you're down and out and you're and the the clock is against you and the scoreboard's against you, don't think. Just use your instincts. And true champions 
use are more instinctive than most and it's demonstrated every week on the sports field and when you watch another sport that kind of I, I do like and I do follow that compares nicely to it is Formula One so when you look mm, at the start yeah. of the Formula One race to the end of the race on the qualifying grid there's less than like a couple of seconds from the guy at the front to the guy at the back there's nothing in it so what's the difference between the guy at the front and the guy at the back his instincts and his car is a little bit better yeah I get it you know there's going to be people that are arguing with that for sure but if you if you put them all in an Indy car where the Indy cars are all exactly the same what's the difference between the guy at the front and the woman at the back nothing instincts their instincts their instincts are what make them different I saw a and it kind of reminded me once I saw a report with the he was a sports reporter and back in the day when Michael Schumacher was in his heyday he played the game slaps with him remember that you put your two hands together like you're going to pray and you put your touch fingers and you slap like that and this reporter was flogging Michael Schumacher and he's like come on man I thought you would be better at this game and he's like well I don't play slaps I drive a car for a living what are you talking about (laughs) and it just kind of showed that your mental cogni- cognition between your hand and your eye and slapping somebody else's hand had nothing to do with your ability to drive a car and the instincts that you have when you're driving around a circuit at 320 kilometers an hour. And I think that's that's kind of held true for me in the imposter syndrome scenario as well in not being so instinctive so much, but don't think and don't think. And it goes back to the heart of Tim Grover saying that champion athletes they're instinctive and they don't think, particularly in the game of basketball, because they run oh, down. It's very fast paced. Oh man, they run down one end and someone slams slams it, and then now they're down by two points. What the hell? Then they've got to immediately they have to pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and go again, as if that the score against them just didn't happen. And then they've got to go again, and then they score, and often they flip flop back and forth, one for one, one for one, one for one, like that. And it must take a huge mental toll on a professional athlete trying to perform at the top of their career but what tim says in his book is that they don't think about they're not looking at the clock or the scoreboard what they're doing is they're just reacting to what's in front of them to the best of their ability because they've done years and years of training they spent hours and hours of practice this week now it comes to the game and we're having the game of our lives this is the hardest thing we've ever had to deal with they're not thinking about oh i'm going to bounce the ball three times take four steps and put it in the hoop they're not thinking about that at all they're not thinking at all everything that they're doing on the court is instinctive and I think that's a really good metaphor for life and a really good way to look at life as well. But I also think it's a really good way to overcome any imposter syndrome you ever face about anything because you'll only experience what you're meant to experience in your life. And if you've been put in a place where you're in front of a bunch of people and the opportunity is for you to share your message and to share what it is that you're doing and what you know, then you're at the right place at the right time. I agree. I agree. And the one way I look at this is just by saying yes. Just you, say yes and commit. Yeah, that that's it. And this, like, like and you, you, I, this is like one thing I, I remember hearing. I can't remember who from. Say yes and figure out how later on. That's Tony Robbins' quote. Is it? Bloody Tony Robbins. <laughs> he doesn't meditate, you know. He doesn't? No, it's true. No, I don't know if he does or not. Let's take a break, break and uh, wrap this one up. Matt, I knew this was going to be a fun podcast and I knew that we were going to go deep 
I'd love to uh, have you back on the show sometime and we can just talk about some other stuff that's not related to your story because you've got a lot of knowledge and you've you've shared a lot today, but that's just scratching the surface. Would you be up for another show sometime? Absolutely. And I mean, that actually be nice. Most people just want to hear the story. So I'd love to explore other areas. It yeah. gets a bit kind of in the spirit of Tim Grover, relentless talking about the same story over and over again. I know that when I've uh, I've done more than, I counted them the other day, I've done more than 223 interviews myself wow. where I've been interviewed. And I did that to help me to grow this podcast and to get a bit more of a fan base because I figured the fastest way would be go and talk on other people's shows and you bring their audience back if you do a good job. And that has definitely held true for me and I've, I've acquired other people's audiences and listeners from those shows that I've been on, which has been great. But man, I'm so sick of saying the same things over and over again. And so I've had to figure out, I've taken a break from that recently. I haven't done an interview for, since your radio show, actually. Oh, right. Yeah, but before that, I hadn't done one for probably, I don't know, mate, three months, maybe, something like that. That's part of the reason I started the radio. Yeah. <laughs> you get on it, the other side of things. You go and do it and you get on the other side of it. Yeah, so it's, it's, it'd be nice to have you back on to talk about some other, uh, some other things and find out some more about you as well. Mate, we covered a lot of ground today. Is there anything that we left out that you wanted to add to the show? If you want to get in contact with me, my website's mattcaruana.com, M-A-T-T-C-A-R-U-A-N-A.com. That's the best way to get in contact with me. My Instagram is mattshares and my Facebook's just Matthew Caruana. Too easy. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, just take a little peek at the show notes and you'll be able to connect with Matt right there. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, make sure you reach out to Matt via his socials or if you've got a message or some feedback for me, you can hit me up at the Goalin website and send me a message through the contact page there, just at goalin.com.au. Or my preferred social media these days is the Instagram worlds, rob.brus77, and I'll uh, connect with you there as well. Mate, that just about wraps it up for today's show. Before we go, I'd like to offer the guests the opportunity for the parting comment. Have you got a final piece of wisdom for us, Matt? I want to go back to follow your heart. I want to go back to that. Look within and go back to meditate. (laughs) That's really what it is. That's what meditation is. It's about learning about you. And the the ability to actually look within, you can't learn enough about yourself. Self-awareness is is a constant journey that you're always going to grow and evolve. So I would always, and like, I want to say always say, every time I'm asked that question, like, what's one thing you would say to your audience or whatever? It's always follow your heart. Look within, learn about yourself. It could change your life. I love it, man. That's a beautiful way to end the show. Let's get out of here. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. See ya. Appreciate it. Bye.